Cool. Welcome to the Making That School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved with during non-school hours. The Making That School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, a division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. Self-esteem has become a household word. Teachers, parents, therapists, and others have focused efforts on boosting self-esteem on youth. With the assumption that high self-esteem will cause many positive outcomes and benefits. Although there are modest correlations between self-esteem and actual good school performance, research has not indicated that great self-esteem leads to actual positive academic outcomes. Instead, it appears that good school performance increases a student's confidence, resulting in the student having a better feeling towards going to school. In his research, does high self-esteem cause better performance, interpersonal success, happiness, or healthier lifestyles? Dr. Roy F. Baumeister brings to question common thoughts about self-esteem and self-love. On the positive side, it is assumed that a person with high self-esteem will have excellent school performance, better job satisfaction, have better relationships, and helps that person give a positive first impression. On the other side, people who appear to love themselves too much might be viewed as narcissists, more likely to engage in risky behavior, be very impulsive, and struggle with rejection or difficult situations. I personally prefer to be around positive people than those with a negative outlook. To me, they are energy drainers. However, in any case, the reaction to self-love might be confusing to some, but it is a critical habit for a mentally healthy lifestyle. To address this important topic is my guest today, Dr. Crystal Bell. Dr. Bell is a published writer, activist, educator, and professional development trainer. She is an authority in diversity, equity, and inclusion. She is also an education consultant, self-care coach, and author. As the founder of Self Love 101, her goal is to help people live their best lives through online video coaching, educational consulting, and fitness and wellness. Dr. Bell, how are you doing today? My first question, and I actually ask this to all my guests, what motivated you to offer this type of service? Absolutely. So Self-Love Life 101 was a business that I started in 2017 because I was at a professional crossroads where I was a professor and director of higher education at Rutgers University, Newark. And I was feeling at that point um, and experiencing that radical love was not really at the heart of the work that I was doing. It was what I was doing in the classroom, but how I was treated and the obstacles I had to navigate. And so I was raised in a family where my mother practiced self-love every single day and self-care. And that was really at the center of how she did everything else. She loved on herself so that she could work better and be a better mother. And so for me, I really wanted to start a business where people could reflect on how does loving ourselves more in a radical way elevate the professional and the personal? And, and also just talking to people about how using your self-love and self-care 
as this radical movement will actually elevate all of your relationships. Um, and, and so that's why I really started this work. And, and once I started coaching and consulting with people and seeing them achieve their dreams and also helping them unpack some of the traumas they had experienced either in romantic relationships or professional settings and helping them come back to the self as a source of power and truth telling, um, is, is, is the best part of the work because people are really tapping into their greatness that's already within them. We all have greatness within us, every single one of us. We all have creative strengths within us and, and teaching people how to use those gifts to attain more peace and, and also more prosperity, not only financially, but emotionally and spiritually is, is a warm gift that comes from the different experiences I've had in education, in corporate, um, and also in the nonprofit sector as well. What would you say is the motivation that causes many people to adopt a persona that they feel may be acceptable to others? And why do you think some people struggle with the concept of accepting themselves for their own uniqueness and loving oneself for the sake of, if I don't appreciate myself, it's difficult to appreciate others? I think that people are seeing a particular brand of aesthetic um, and notions of, of beauty and and what's good looking and they're chasing that if they don't fit into that box um, which is usually connected to, to white supremacy and the status quo then they feel like something's wrong with me and that leads to a constant chase a constant self-hate self-loathing because I don't fit you know that Beyonce video that I saw for example right or I don't fit like the rocks body right and so um, or if you're trans, right? I don't fit into either. I'm, I'm non-binary. So I think there's just so many pieces where we have to create a more diverse representation of what's considered attractive and beautiful and, and grounded in, in self-care and self-love. Uh, I've seen in some of your work, you uh, talk about forgiveness. And I know just being part of human, having this, this, this lived experience, we make errors, we make mistakes. And then there's also times other people may, may hurt us. My question is, how do people learn to forgive either themselves or others who may have caused them pain? And how does by forgiving just help you to move on? Mm, I love that. You know, forgiveness is a journey. And, and what I always say about radical love specifically is you can't love without forgiveness because the human experience tells us that we're going to make mistakes. We're going to hurt people. Other people will hurt us. Uh, as part of this human journey and forgiveness is really for ourselves because i also try to share with people what happens when we don't forgive what happens in the body what bitterness does to the body right and and bitterness causes resentment in the body that can cause cancers that can cause stress that can cause high blood pressure i literally make that connection like so are you willing to die to hold on to bitterness that when you let go of bitterness, your body can be more free, that you will feel more ease, that you will feel more peace. And to really attain that peace, you have to have a spirit of forgiveness because I try to tell people, I said, other people have forgiven you too, right? I think sometimes when we're betrayed by someone, you know, we feel like, you know, I just, you're angry for a long time or different memories trigger the anger, which doesn't allow you to forgive. But if you sit with it, 
and you say, and you accept it, right? Radical acceptance, which is a Buddhist framework. And you say, this is what is, this is what happened. I cannot change it. It already happened. I'm forgiving this individual or these individuals or this institution because it allows me to be free. I remember what happened, but I'm releasing it so that I can embrace all the new things that are coming to me. And so forgiveness is a journey. It doesn't mean you won't be triggered. So I think this is the other thing too. Some people feel if I've forgiven, then, you know, I never talk about it again. Right. Or if I've forgiven, then I don't need to bring it up or, you know, I don't need to be triggered. And no, you can totally forgive someone and be healed. And certain things may still trigger that hurt. And also learning how to sit in that, right? Oh, that reminded me of that. Okay. But I'm at a much better place now because I've learned to release it. Um, one thing that I guess we all face and, you know, we're blessed to have life and then within that life we're dealing with other people uh in dealing with other people then there's always that chance of rejection and that could be you know family members that can be career that can be a hobby that you may have and other people aren't interested in what your interests are so it's a big part of our life uh, but i think i read that you spoke on rejection and using it as a source of motivation uh, what advice do you have for people who have this fear of rejection and how they can turn it into a source that may inspire them to do some stuff? Oh, I love that question, Mike. I love that question. Yeah, and so similar to forgiveness being a key part of radical love, rejection is a part of the human journey. And we often let the fear of rejection or the thought of rejection or our lived experiences with rejection hold us back from moving on to the next thing because i don't want to be rejected but you know the greatest the greatest um to me one of the greatest losses in life is not doing anything at all right so you the only way for you to get rejected is for you to try something for you to you know shoot your shot so to speak and put it out there and this is also tied to self-love because if i understand that sometimes rejection is redirection right sometimes we're rejected because whatever that thing is that we wanted it wasn't for us and an understanding it, it wasn't for me or it might not be for you right now because there's something else that you need to do more of sometimes it's a development piece sometimes it's a it's a, a space and a place piece maybe that space or place is not for you or that person is not for you and i think once we sort of accept that rejection will happen so again, that radical acceptance, there isn't a human being who has never been rejected. They don't exist. Like I say this to my kids, you know, I say there isn't a person, no matter who you think it is, right? Who has not experienced rejection, how you respond to the rejection. And this is where the self-care comes in. When we don't allow rejection to paint the picture of loving ourselves, right? So just because this space rejected me or this person rejected me doesn't mean that I should stop loving myself or doesn't mean that something is wrong with me. It means that it doesn't align or fit with me at this time and really exploring that and navigating that and being open to that, right? Um, allows us to see rejection as a part of our lives, um, to see it as a form of redirection. Where is this redirecting me to? Um, and to understand that rejection is a part of the human experience for all of us. And it's, it's all depending on how we respond with an ethic of self-care um, and with an ethic of grace for ourselves. Now, you provided a lot of resources that help people guide themselves to a better understanding of themselves 
and also an appreciation of themselves. Uh, I know you have a book that's soon to be released, uh, Start With Radical Love, uh, Anti-Racist Pedagogy for Social Justice Educators. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and how people can get a copy of not only the book, but other work that you've, you've done? Absolutely, yes. So Start With Radical Love is a book that really merges the radical self-care and I define radical self-care as the ability to really put your ego to the side to love yourself, similar to radical love, putting our egos to the side to lean in with equity and compassion. And I merge that with my professional experiences as an educator and also as a diversity, equity, and inclusion leader as well to say that we have to merge these two things to understand that an anti-racist approach to life in general is it's our moral and ethical responsibility to one another. And it's work for everyone. We all need to do this work. We all need to unpack our biases through a loving framework so that we can create a more socially just world where everyone has the freedom to just be. Whether or not that freedom looks like your freedom, like my freedom may not look like your freedom, but the ways that we practice freedom should not cancel out one another. And that's really the heart of the book. I share a lot of testimonies from my lived experiences as a professor, as a teacher, as a leader, as a consultant, uh, and how I use radical love to elevate spaces and places and people to really live a life that is grounded in our compassion and our humanity. You can get a copy of the book everywhere where they sell books, but it's important to get the the book from the Corwin website. Um, Why? Because, and I don't know if people know this, when you publish a book, getting it from the author's website really impacts the author's royalties. And so getting it from like Amazon, right? You don't really see much from it from an Amazon purchase. So it is on Amazon too, and it is on barnesandnoble.com, but please get the book on corwin.com. Start with Radical Love. Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, well, thank you so much for, uh, this is going to be a play on words, but sharing your love. Uh, we definitely, I definitely can hear your passion and I'm inspired by just this, this brief converse, conversation. And I also want to uh, extend an invitation in the future to where we may can discuss some more because you have a wealth of knowledge and I think it's very important. Uh, before we close, are there any fi- uh, final comments you'd like to share with us? Absolutely. So one of the things that I also do and I'll be doing with my new book, Start With Radical Love, Anti-Racist Pedagogy for Social Justice Educators, is offering radical love workshops inside and outside of education. All of the activities in the book and the storytelling in the book really speaks to everyone who is committed to radical love and social justice and creating a more ethical world. And so really wanting to get the word out and to share with other people to lead to more humanizing practices. And this is a movement. Radical love is a movement. And um, my ultimate goal is to really help people become more peaceful and more conscious in themselves so that they can continue to build more collective and radical communities of love and trust and growth. Well, thank you so much for uh, starting with this pebble, and I see it uh, uh, continuing to roll and, and grow, and for sharing your knowledge. Uh, I, I really appreciate this. Uh, as I stated earlier, 
uh, enjoyed the conversation. And again, I'd like to have some follow-up conversations on it because I think just this morning, you know, speaking with you, I think is going to make my day a whole lot better. Uh, thank you. No, listen, I love your questions, Mike, and I'm happy that we got to do this. Thank you for your flexibility and and thank you for inviting me to to be here. It was so refreshing to get your your email and I used to live in Houston, Texas when I was a, a professor of education at the University of Houston downtown. So really shout out to you for just extending the invitation. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Well, again, it's been my pleasure and thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you, Mike. Have a great day and a great weekend. You as well. You as well. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Making Ethical Cool podcast where our topic centered on the benefits of accepting and learning self-love. And feature my guest, Dr. Crystal Bell, author of the soon-to-be-released book, Start with Radical Love, Anti-Racist Pedagogy for Social Justice Education. Please join me for future episodes as we continue to discuss issues relevant to the out-of-school time field.